Hi, this is Pastor Daniel Bracken. You're listening to Kings Alaska podcast. I hope the word encourages you and you get a touch from God that brings transformation and equips you to experience life with people, power, and purpose. Thank you for joining us. Enjoy the word. Jonah chapter three, verse one from the New International Version. Are you all ready? Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time, go to this, that great city of Nineveh and proclaim it, the message I give you. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days to go through it. And Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city and proclaiming, there are 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. And the Ninevites believed God. The fast was proclaimed. And all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. And when Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat down in the dust. This is the proclamation he issued in Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let the people or animals, herds or flocks, taste anything. They made, they made their animals fast. Do not let them eat or drink, but let the people and the animals be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. Notice it's a capital G. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that he will not perish, so that we will not perish. Verse 10, when God saw what they did, and how they turned from their evil ways. He relented, admit, did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. Go to chapter four, first, the first, pardon me. Phone starts reading it out loud, my God. Anybody have you version? All right, bear with me. Chapter four and verse one, but Jonah, but to Jonah, this seemed very wrong. Crazy. He prayed to the Lord. Isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? That is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you were gracious and compassionate. My God. He knew that he's gracious and compassionate, so he didn't want to go. Gracious and compassionate, God is slow to anger and abounding in love. A God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life. Gosh. For it is better for me that I die than to live. But the Lord replied, is it right for you to be angry? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for what you've done, what you're doing, and what you will do even through this message in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. We do have notes for you. I trust they've been passed out or are in process. Oh, that's right. Our printer gave up the ghost once again. And uh, we do have a QR code. Thank you so much. If you want the online notes, you can find them online. Do, how many of you know how to do this? Pull your camera up, and uh, it'll bring up a website. You tap that little yellow website that the QR code brings, and it'll bring you to the website where the, where the notes are. For the past few years, oh, let me say uh, this morning that we are translating into Espanol. We have a... We have a a brother who's come from Nicaragua, and uh, we're so blessed that you're with us. Glory, glory a Dios. 
Gloria a Dios. Welcome. We're glad you're here. And uh, it is our hope that we will continue to cause that ministry to grow. If you know people that, have, uh, that speak Spanish and they're not bilingual, they can come and get us headset and uh, we'll do that in the nine o'clock service as God provides translators, uh, interpreters, pardon me. For the, first, uh, for the past few years, I've preached a message called something along these lines, the healing of America, uh, the healing of the United States. And so I'm starting a new series in that line because, uh, one, we're approaching our nation's birthday. Two, if ever we needed healing, we sure need it now. And it, it, the message series is called Healing the USA. God's purpose for America. God's purpose for America. Understand in the introduction that nations reflect the sins of the people. As the people go, so goes the nation. So if you look and you see what's ha taking place in America, but you can look at any nation. You see what's taking place in nations of the world, how the people live releases the blessing or releases the curse, which I'll get to here in just a moment. But the sins of the people or the righteousness of the people might be another way to say that affects nations. Is there any hope given that, given, given what's taken place in our country with same-sex marriage, abortion, killing over 70 million babies, I mean, on and on and on and on. Given that, is there any hope? Is there any hope for America? Is there any hope for Nicaragua? Is there any hope for Costa Rica? Is there any hope? Is there any hope for the nations of the world? And the answer emphatically is yes, there's hope. Come on, someone say there's hope. Look at God's judgment, and we'll get to breaking this text down here in just a moment. God judges cities. He judges towns. He judges villages. He judges nations. He judges islands. He judges individuals. God ju was well, so that's not to the end. Wrong. Is that in Scripture? Absolutely. I'm glad you asked. Go to Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11. And uh, hopefully they get this up. Matthew 11, chapter 11, verse 21. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, all right, that's Sodom and Gomorrah, in other words, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I tell you, it's more tolerable or bearable for Tyre and Sidon on the day of judgment than you. And you, Capernaum, be lifted up to the heavens? No. No, you'll go down to Hades. Whoa. For if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Sodom, it would have re remained to this day. But I tell you that it'll be more bearable for Sodom on the day of judgment than for you. And it's interesting what he's saying about Sodom is Sodom received judgment, but there's another day of judgment, the judgment seat of nations. So it had received judgment in the earth, but later there's a ju another judgment that's coming. And so he, he clearly talks about these cities and Sodom and Gomorrah relates it to them. And he's saying, because of all the miracles, you should have repented, but you didn't. So now you're in trouble. And he talks to Capernaum because but Capernaum, Capernaum was the, the, the base camp, if you will, for, for Jesus. He did more miracles, signs, and wonders at Capernaum, and there was not a, a, a wide repentance. 
Look at Luke 12. It's this principle that you need to understand as I teach to you on judgment and God's purpose for America. Verse 48, Luke 12 and 48. But the one who does not know and does things deserving of punishment will be beaten with few blows. For everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who's been entrusted with much, will be required, much more will be required. There's this principle in Scripture that if you've been given much, then you are required. And I want to tell you that there is no nation on the face of the earth that has been blessed by God like the United States of America. And as a result of that, we are required to do much. Can you say a better amen than that? We have a responsibility. The reality of the nation like ours to be a city on a hill. And we have at other times. And there's always been schisms. And there's always been challenges. And there's always been trials. It's always been difficulty. The second principle at work in judgment is the principle of sowing and reaping. You need to understand this before we look at Jonah 3. And you need to understand this in light of what God wants to do in America and what God wants to do in your life. The principle of sowing and reaping. In Galatians chapter 6, be not deceived, God is not mocked. I think that's the King James Version. Just sounded better to me. Be not deceived, God is not mocked, for whatsoever a man soweth, that he will also reap. And we have sowed horrible seeds in this nation. We've sowed a lot of good seeds too. It used to be that we sent out more missionaries than any other nation in the face of the earth. That's not the case so much now by some, by some estimates. But we still send out and we still will send out. And those are good seeds. Same-sex marriage attempting to destroy the very fabric of our culture and family. I thought you weren't supposed to talk about stuff like that in church. No, we talk about it as much as we need to to, to preach the truth of God's word unashamedly. Nope, same-sex marriage is wrong. Can't bless it, won't bless it, God won't bless it. And in actual fact, I, I didn't bring these statistics to you, but if you go ahead and look at the nations of the world in history that begin to endorse the things that we're endorsing and call what is evil and wrong and defiled right, like same-sex marriage, like the killing of babies and so on and so forth, when you begin to look at the nations that endorse that, they no longer cease to be Soon they're gone. Listen, America's a young country. You look at the Roman Empire. Don't know the exact dates on that, but America's a little baby country, and God has blessed us. Yet we're doing things that are releasing, which is this third aspect of understanding judgment, releasing curses. The understanding covenant curses and covenant blessing. I've preached whole messages on it before. I've had people tell me, you know, that's not true because once you're in Jesus, you're totally free from the curse. And I would tell you potentially that's true. If you live it, you don't, you can, you can claim Jesus. You can, you can, you can have baptismal waters dripping off your, off your face and still be twice cursed because it's by what you do. And there are generational curses. So if you just declare Jesus has set you free, but then you live, you're going to have the effects, covenant curses and covenant blessings. When Israel went into the promised land, and you can go to Deuteronomy 28. In fact, we probably should do that. Go to Deuteronomy 28. 
Deuteronomy chapter 28. Israel's crossing into the promised land and they are passing through, going to pass through these, these peaks, these two mountains, Mount Gerizim and Mount Ebal. And look at verse 1, Deuteronomy 28 and verse 1. If you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully follow all of his commands I give you this day, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. In actual fact, even though there's been a partial obedience, God has blessed our nation. And, and really have set us, it's shifting. Things are changing, but it doesn't have to stay that way. Come on, somebody say it doesn't have to change for worse. No, it doesn't. All of these blessings will come upon you and accompany you if, everybody say if. If then clauses is covenant language. So if you obey, then you get this. If you disobey, then you get, go down to verse I mean, I love verse 12. If you obey, the Lord will open this heavens. That's where we get the heavens are open. That's where we get it from. And Malachi as well. Storehouse of his bounty, you'll send rain on your land in the season. Thank God for the rain that we just got. All right, go down to verse 16. However, everybody say however. However, if you do not obey the Lord your God and do not carefully follow all of his commands and decrees I'm giving you today, all of these curses will come upon you and overtake you. And what's, what's remarkable is if you read through the curses, you see these things coming upon our nation. And they come upon the nations of the world. There's a twofold purpose for judgment. Everybody say twofold. One, to purge evil. To what? Purge evil. Listen, this isn't preached. Everybody wants to talk about the love of God. Judgment actually is the love of God. It, it, David said, I long for your judgment. You guys are looking at me like a sour lemon or something. God loves you. So come on, if you spare the rod, you spoil the child. How many of you know that scripture? Well, the same is true in nations. God so loves you, he's going to deal with the thing that's going to kill you. He's going to allow you to come under some chastisement or discipline. He's going to allow you to go through some things. Why? So that you stop it. To purge evil, Genesis chapter 15. Listen to this. Because before God brings judgment, he brings mercy. He brings grace. Genesis 15, 16, talking to Abraham. And he says in verse 16, the book of Genesis chapter 15, the fourth generation of your descendants will come back here for the sin of the Amorites has not yet reached its full measure. In other words... Sin is on the rise, but it's not at the place where I'm going to spank it. It's not at the place where I'm going to bring judgment yet. There's a period of mercy. And it does come, and you know the rest. They get evicted from the promised land. And look at Ezekiel chapter 7, please. Ezekiel 7 and verse 2. All of the false prophets of the land are saying, oh, everything's fine. Everything's going to be fine. Ezekiel says, no, everything's not fine, bro. He says, the end. Ezekiel 7 and 2. The end. The end has come of the four corners of the land. The end is now upon you. I will unleash my anger against you. I will judge you according to your conduct. I will repay you for your detestable practices. I mean, that's intense. But the whole point is that they would turn and repent. How many of you know Noah, the Bible says, is a preacher of righteousness? 
You know what? So we don't know how long he preached righteousness, but we do know that he preached it because the word says it. And it took 120 years to build a, you think a seven-year building project is long. 120 to build the ark. Woo! A what? A boat to save everybody. 120 years. What do you, so what do you think he did for the 120 years? Well, he worked on the construction project, yes. Many scholars believe, and Hebrews says he was a preacher of righteousness in the New Testament. Many scholars believe he preached for 120 years. So the floods come, it's going to rain. What's that? It's when water comes from the sky. Ah, oh, you've lost your mind. And a flood comes. He preached a long time before the flood. The second role a judgment plays is for us basically to repent. Turn to Amos chapter 4. I'm convinced there's times in our lives when we go through difficulty as a result of our, our failure, as a result of our disobedience, we'll go through difficulty. You say, how do you know which one is which? Well, one thing's for sure. If it's not happening to you, you should probably keep your mouth shut. Because I've had people say, oh, that's the judgment of God. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. You don't know. And for somebody to say, well, my, my, my uncle died and, 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 and it's because of his sin. Well, how do you know? Listen, leave all of that stuff to God. That's, a, that's spiritual abuse where you try to sell somebody. Well, you're, I've heard this nonsense. Anybody ever heard this nonsense at church? Well, your baby didn't live because you weren't really, really sold out. Not really. Oh, stop. Stop it. So in Amos chapter 4, listen very closely. Amos 4, 6, and then we're going to bring it to some New Testament passages. Understanding judgment as I set the stage for the purpose for America. The purpose for America. I gave you empty stomachs in every city and lack of bread in every town, yet you've not returned to me, declares the Lord. In other words, in verse, that, that verse there, verse 6, he's saying you didn't have bread, you didn't have provision, so that you would wake up and come back to me. Why? so that I could give you bread. That's the picture that he's laying there, Amos, the prophet, which is fascinating because Amos is a contemporary of Jonah. Verse 8, the people staggered, same chapter, Amos 4, verse 8, the people staggered from town to town for water, but not get enough to drink, yet you've not returned to me. Everybody say, return to me. Declares the Lord, many times I struck your gardens. Is that what's going on with my tomatoes? Yeah, probably. Amen. Oh, lighten up. He struck their gardens and their vineyards, destroying them with blight and mildew. Locusts devoured the fig and the olive trees. Yet you've not returned to me, declares the Lord. I sent plagues among you as I did Egypt. I mean, it goes on and on and on. And it lists five times return to me. All of these things happen so you'd wake up. That's the whole point. Everybody say wake up. Yeah. You look at the gas prices. You look at the different things that are taking place. The, 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 the challenges on the border. The challenges in the court. I mean since when have we had people go and visit our Supreme Court justices to go kill them in their homes? Never. And by the way, if you think gun control... I, 
There needs to be laws and rules, but if you think taking away all the guns is, is going to help the, the crisis, then you should get rid of your silverware to lose weight. Let's have a praise break. That's like, that's it. We're fat. Get rid of the forks and knives. I promise you, you'll find a way to eat. I know I would. Book of Revelation chapter two. If that offends you, welcome to Kings. Revelation chapter two. Verse 21, I've given her a long time to repent of her immorality, talking about Jezebel, but she's unwilling. This is a book for our day. One of the whole books for our day, but the book of Revelation, when we're like living in it. So I'll cast her on a bed of suffering. Wow. Look at verse, uh, go down to verse, go to verse 16, Revelation 2. Nope, I don't have that right. It's Revelation chapter, chapter 16. Go to Revelation chapter 16, verse 9. They were seared by the intense heat and cursed the name of God who had control over these plagues, but they refused to repent. They what? They refused to repent. Understand judgment is a twofold purpose in the earth. I'm talking about judgment now. And judgment comes on cities, comes on towns, comes on boroughs, comes on counties, comes on states, comes on nations, comes on individuals. And you say, have you been judged? Yes, I've been through some stuff. I don't like it. How many of you like it? How many of you like you know, getting the stuff and kicked out of you because you disobeyed? But those whom the Lord loves, he chastises. So the purpose of judgment, please hear me, is one, to purge evil from your life. Two, that you would repent. That is the purpose. It's an expression of God's love. God's heart is that none for none to be lost. You all there, Roman numeral three. God's heart is for none to be lost. Second Peter chapter three and verse nine, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some understand slowness. Instead, he's patient. Aren't you glad he's patient? Hell wasn't created for you. It wasn't created for me. Hell is created for the devil and his minions. But if you partner with them and you reject the Lord, that's where you'll go. That's just the truth. I know it's not popular. It's why we press and push and pray. It's why we give and do all that we do. This is where you have one moment in life right now. This is, you're not even promised tomorrow. And if you don't make a decision for Christ and cut yourself free from your partnership with the ugly one, The liar, the father of lies. You've got to break allegiance with him. And if you don't, that might be where you end up. And I'm so thankful for deathbed conversions. I've, I've, I've brought many people to Christ that were not going to go there, pretty sure. I mean, we don't ultimately know. God knows those things. We don't presume to know the things of eternity, but we, we see a little bit. And if somebody's cursing God when they die, I would say the odds are pretty good. According to scripture, you're not going to heaven. Liars don't go to heaven. Come on, Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 6. Fornicators don't go to heaven. Male prostitutes don't go to heaven. Female prostitutes, you can't do all of that stuff and it's like, I love Jesus. If you love Jesus, you're gonna obey his word. 
Listen, you, I'm, I'm off, the, off the, the trail just a little bit. You get offended when your spouse doesn't do loving things towards you. Why? Because you take it personally like they don't love you. Now, you think that God is different than that? He lays out his word to us very plain and clear. He said, well, I've never read it. Well, you just, just keep coming and start reading because you'll have a blessed life. Come on, life with people, power, and purpose. You, you see his word, you start to understand things. And you start, you're responsible then to live right. And if you don't, God takes it personally. He loves you. We're the same way. When you love God, you'll obey his word. If you love your spouse and you'll be kind, gracious, compassionate, and you'll take care of the things that concern her, concern him. And if you don't take care of the things that concern her or concern him that are really near and dear to them, then that's an expression of you not loving them. Lord, help us all. I feel conviction. Father, help us. the fact that this is shown in God's own son died for the whole world. Let me just read this very famous passage of scripture, John 3. For God so loved the world that he gave his only, his only son, his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. That means those who don't believe him, don't, those who don't believe in him perish. And they don't have everlasting life. They have eternal life, but not with God in a place called hell. And, and it's, Jesus talked more about hell than a lot of things. Verse 17, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they've not believed in the name of God's one and only son. See, this whole judgment, this, the, the judgment that was headed for us was placed upon him. It's a big theological word called propitiation. He was, it says it in Romans, he was a propitiate, come on, say that. He was a propitiation. Try it again. He was a propitiation. It's, it means to avert wrath. Jesus took the wrath that was headed towards you. He took your sickness. He took your disease. He took your pain. He took your cancer. He took all of your wrongs. And when you understand and receive that, then you, you, you believe on the Lord. You, you believe in your heart. You confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Then you're born again. Listen, no religion's going to save you. Not, not this one either unless you get born again. You must be born again. That preacher on the Titanic, as the Titanic is going down and thousands, 1,500 people thrown into the icy waters of the North Atlantic, as he's drowning, he just kept saying, he would come up and he would say to the people around him, you must be born again, and he'd go under the water. And he just kept popping up and saying, you must be born again. Believe on the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved. And, and then finally he didn't come back up. And all the people in that group right there received Christ. They got born again. You know that years later they had a gathering of those who gave their lives to Christ because they were born again and they lived. They survived those that survived and they had this gathering of church to celebrate that preacher that would not shut up. What are you saying? You must be born again is what I'm saying. We're like in the icy waters of the North Atlantic. This ain't no joke. This is not a joke. You gotta be saved. You must repent of your sin. Come on, someone say amen. amen. Look at the text. Let's, let's look at this. God gives Jonah a commission. He commissions him. Jonah's a real man in the real time. 
and he's commissioned, called by God to go to Nineveh. And uh, he does not want to go to Nineveh. He, and, and we read the verses, it's just kind of amazing. He's like, I knew you'd do that. I knew you'd save them. He hates these people. He's seriously prejudiced. He hates them. Nineveh is the capital city, city pardon me, of Assyria. And they were wicked people to talk about their war crimes and what they would do to the enemy as uh, barbaric in the truest sense of the word. Wicked, heinous, horrible crimes. And so we know that Jonah obviously hates this, this group of people, hates Nineveh. And so what? He disobeys. And he gets on a boat and he goes to the furthest place you could go. If you go and look at a map, you see like Nineveh, and then you see Tarshish. It's completely the opposite side. He doesn't just disobey, he disobeys with everything he's got. Passionately disobeys. Some of you are just like that. The storm comes, and many of you know it from the flannel graph back in the day. I'm just going to touch on some of these things. But he's asleep down in the belly of the boat, in the, in, down, down at the you know, under the deck. And the storm whoops up. And how many of you know where the storm came from? It didn't come from the devil. It came from God to turn Jonah and send him back to the, that's how much God loved Nineveh and the Assyrians who were wicked people. My, my, if God did that for, for I'm, I'm getting to a conclusion here, but I'm, I'm not there yet. If God did that for that wicked city of 100,000, come on someone. Now they, they cast lots, the lots falls on him, and they're nice guys, they're nice pagans, because they don't want to throw him over, but they're like, well, that's it. They're like, yeah, throw me over, I'm the one. It's my God, my God, yeah, you know, he's the God of everything, and so, yeah. So they throw him in, and God had prepared a fish. Maybe we can see it's a whale, but I don't know what, I bet there's a lot of big fish out there, I intend to catch them shortly. The fish is not a whale, it's portrayed as a whale, but it swallows uh, Jonah. And there has been other people in history that have been swallowed by fish and come out alive. And so while he's in the belly of the whale, how many of you know, if you got swallowed by a whale and you're still alive and still breathing, you would pretty much be talking to God right about then. What do you think? You know, Voltaire, probably the most famous atheist in all of history, while standing alone in a thunder and lightning storm as a bolt hit nearby him, he, he said, you know, there, there, actually, maybe there is a God. That's the truth. You know, certain things can wake you up. And being in the belly of the whale, which is a picture of judgment, is what happens to Jonah. Gets his attention. There have been people who uh, have gone through that experience, and they came out, and then scholars say that because of the acid in the fish's belly, that most likely Jonah was washed and made white. Probably wasn't a white man. He's probably brown, Mediterranean, but he's white now. And he comes out with seaweed hanging on him and, and washed by stomach acid to a city of Nineveh. He spit up on the shores of Nineveh. And you got to understand who they worshipped. They were fish worshippers. The fish god. And so here's someone with seaweed, bleached white, and I'm going to tell you right now, homeboy, anybody ever swum around in the slurry in the bottom of the boat? He smelled like that. You don't know what slurry is? Don't you know what slurry? And you ever go on fishing? You ever go dip netting? And you got, come on, skip. 
you got boots on and you're, you should have worn your waders because that stuff's just coming over the top. All that fish slime and guts and all of that. He smelled like that. Just baptize yourself in that stuff and then walk around and see to a bunch of fish worshipers and see if they don't repent. I mean, he had it look like, you know, like a zombie. So Jonah obeys and he, he preaches and the people repent and God spares the city. And then Jonah gets angry. It's just like you. It's just like me at times. God is speaking to us. I want to say to you very plainly that our nation can be healed. You say, well, I don't know about that. No, you just need to study history. You need to look in the word and know that God can turn our country. That's why I'm breathing. I'm here to see a great turning. I'm here to preach and pray and prophesy along with all of you in the great north land to declare that the glory of God is available to set you free, that you can live holy, you can live pure, you can, live, you can get rid of all of your disease, you can be forgiven. God is merciful. Come on, someone say God's merciful. And the church, the church must obey the Lord and believe for a harvest of souls. We can't just be all content in our nice new building. No. We have to have a harvest of souls. It is the reason we're here. We must obey. You know, I'm, I'm convinced. I felt like the Lord spoke this to me this morning. The church has a spirit of Jonah. What do you mean? Well, I'm going to relate that to say that Jonah was happy. He was saved. If I could just give the correlation into the New Testament. He's happy. Well, I got a covenant with you. Well, these guys are pagans. They deserve, they deserve to be smoked. Come on, have you ever watched the news or seen some of that nonsense and the crimes and the different things? I saw some, I saw some thing about a lady. Um, it was a, a video of a lady on a subway in New York. I think it was in Brooklyn. We both from, that's why I'm looking at him, he's from Brooklyn, so. And this guy, this guy comes in clearly demonized. This, the subway's maybe a third full, the car. They're on the way home from wherever they're on the way home from. And this crazy man gets on, sits down next to this woman and sits amongst all these people. And everybody starts getting up and she's like, oh, you see her get up. And she walks, takes one step and the guy grabs her and makes her sit back down while people are filming this and watching. And he absolutely terrifies, terrifies that, that woman. And, and certain things happen. I'm just thinking, if I was on that train, if I was on that train, I'd have ministered to him. That's the way we should be. We, would, we should see injustice, we should see wrongs, and we should do something. We should vote, we should do something about it. We should. Jonah was like, oh, they can all go to hell. I don't you can go to hell. You want to you go to hell. I don't like these Assyrians. He's prejudiced. I said he's prejudiced. Uh, the, the healing of America will happen when we get rid of a Jonah spirit and realize because of the blessing of God, you don't stay inside our four walls and just, you know, just count your blessings one by one. No, you, you count your blessings and realize that you used to be under a bridge. You used to be addicted. You used to be broken. You used to be jacked up. Can we help our brother out, please? You used to be messed up. You used to be messed up. Right? Does anybody else remember that? Five people remember that. 
that brother back if he's willing to stand in the back door, in the back, in the wind, just right, right in the glass, if he's willing. If he's not, it's fine. God wants to reach people. That is why we're here. Sir, just right where you're at, I have a word for God for you. Just right where you're at. I don't want to embarrass you. Everybody look forward. Don't look. You're all right. God's hand is on you, son. And all right, take the whole thing then. Lift your hands to Jesus. God's hand is on you. His hand is on you. And the Lord says, I'm preparing a way for you. And what is impossible with man is possible with God. And you are, have even been like a Jonah. But the Lord says, I'm putting my hand upon you. I'm healing your body. I'm touching your mind. I'm releasing the presence and the power of God over you. Much has been stolen. Much has been lost. But the Lord says, as you seek first my kingdom, all things will be added to you. Be blessed today. So we're, don't be like a Jonah. The church can't have a spirit of Jonah. There's people that are broken and lost just like you were. And I was born, in, I was born into the way. Maybe that's a problem. You're in the way. Church is on like, Tarshish was like a, it was a vacation. He was going to Cabo San Lucas to chill on the beach with a martini or a daiquiri or whatever they would have. I'm going to, the church is in Tarshish, but where we need to go is to Nineveh. I'm so grateful for the blessing of God in my life, but I don't come to church because of the blessing of God. I'm so thankful, and I give him all the credit. I'm here to, to help bring change and, and fire you up and equip you so that you would go, so that I would go, so that we would go to reach the lost at any cost to make a difference. Don't, don't go to Tarshish. Go to Nineveh. The church is really the voice of God. I, I, I shared it with you as my worship team comes. I, I, I shared it with you. Build your church with the ecclesia. We're, God, we're, we're God's ambassadors here. That's quite a thing. I don't know if you ever heard of the Cane Ridge revival in Kentucky. I've preached on it uh, in greater detail than I'm going to share with you right now, but in Kentucky, they had a gathering, and just by some fluke, or it's not a fluke, it was really a move of the Spirit, God brought people from all over. 30,000 people showed up in a time when there was no modern conveniences. They, they descended upon Kentucky and Cane Ridge and had a great revival. And people couldn't really figure out how it happened. I'm telling you that God could bring in a harvest of souls such as we have never known before. And I believe that's taking place even here in Alaska. If you, if you, if you believe that, say yes. And the question then begs us to ask, what are we doing to bring a harvest of souls before it's too late? Dr. Morocco taught us years ago and wrote a book, and I can't recall. I think it's Hawaii's Great Awakening is the name of the book. It's still available on Amazon talks about a man, his name is Titus Cohen, who did more with no computer, no cell phone, no email, no Snapchat, no Instagram, no social media, did more without that than, than, than we can imagine. And he would walk and ride and pray and visit people. They had a great awakening in Hawaii, in, uh, um, I think it's, 
want to say 1730 something, but it might be eight. You go look it up. Go be a good Berean and go look it up. I'm so sorry. The date escapes me. Largest church in the world at that time was in Hawaii. Over 8,000 8, people there on the big island. They didn't, they didn't even have the modern conveniences. A tsunami hit the shores and you can read eyewitness accounts of it. And what it did was it released great fear and trembling. Many were spared because they were in church when it took place, but others, others weren't. And the church exploded as a result. At 9-11, when the Twin Towers fell, churches were packed out for about two weeks, three weeks, never, never forget or always remember whatever the cry is. We forgot to remember. I don't know what it's going to take to, I don't know what it's going to take to bring America back to God, but whatever it takes, do it. Do it, God. Are you, what are you praying? I'm saying, God, bring, bring, bring your judgment. Do, do whatever. You said, we live here. I know. Who's, who's going to wake up our culture? Who's going who's to snap people out of the lethargy and the death? 70 million. We've probably killed the person who had the answer for cancer. Actually, we probably have the answer, but they're not letting it out. There's so much corruption. Man, I just said something right there. There's so much corruption. How's that going to change? We've got to get rid of that spirit of Jonah. You see, do we have that here? We do not, not that I know of. And if we do, I repent. I'm doing my level best. And I, I want to tell you that all of us on our staff, our leaders, I believe we're all doing the best we can. What are we doing to bring about souls? If you're here for any length of time, you'll understand the, the, the phraseology of being a, an aircraft carrier. We're an aircraft carrier. What does that mean? That means that we launch planes and they come and they go. And uh, I want to make an announcement along those lines uh, this morning. And it's, it's challenging for me, but at the same time, at the same time, I'm not going to hold back what God's plan and God's will is. I'm going to do it no matter, no matter what. You know, we all just like sticking together. And that's a good thing. Koinonia and fellowship. You remember the Nantes? The Nantes were here serving and serving, and we wanted to open an Eagle River, and we just didn't know how we were going to do that. And we were praying. I felt like the Lord said, He's the one. Talk to them. They got a word from the Lord. They said, It's, it's God. Pastor will do it. They, so they left their house, sold their stuff. Did it, you know, it's only 20 minutes down the road, but 30 minutes maybe, depending. Do you know that there's about 200, a little less than 200 people meeting there every single Sunday morning? And they have made a huge impact and they're continuing to grow and leaders have been raised up. Well, a number of months ago, a friend of the ministry, he's actually part of the church, Prophet John Harkey, some of you met him, he started the church in Tucson, Arizona. And uh, I went down there and, and preached for him. It was the most unusual experience because I've never really been in the church that didn't have a pastor. I don't mean there's one on the way. I mean, like it was, done by him is this prophetic unction and it was powerful and people were gathering but I just sensed this longing of what God wanted to do they needed the pastor and he was doing a great job and he had other people help him but in the course of prayer we found that God was going to bring that group that meet that met in Tucson Arizona to be a part of King's Cathedral and Chapels and so we said Lord well how are you going to do that the Lord spoke to me and the Lord spoke to this precious couple, the Haggerty's. And so 
Minister Barry and Minister Jan are selling their house, they're packing their stuff, and they're gonna go pastor Tucson, Arizona. Come on, somebody say hallelujah. That's what we do. That's what we do. Come on, I'm not gonna go to Tarshish. And you haven't been in Tarshish, but you're gonna go and reach those people. Oh, right on the border. Gonna see the glory of God manifested. And we're so excited about it. That leaves us with some unique challenges with our King's School of Ministry. And, and it's gonna be the greatest year we've ever had. God's given us a plan for all of that. And we'll let you know more about that later. But I want you to put your hand together for the willingness of the Haggerty's to move and to go to Tucson. Yay, I feel led to visit you in January, amen. Lord, we thank you for their willingness to go. We thank you, Lord, for the anointing that's upon their life. And Lord, make a way. Sort out all the different bumps and things we need to work out before they go. And they'll go probably end of August. We'll see. Lord, sell their house. According to your plan and will, bring it all to pass. Thank you for their willingness. Thank you for the call to Tucson, Arizona. We say yes. In Jesus' name. Would you put your hands together for God? Finally, the last point, we must have a vision and all of us must embrace it. We will be 1,200 churches by 2025. Can you say amen? amen? Believe God to turn this nation around. Believe God. If you've been in the woodshed, just turn towards him. Return, as Amos said five times. You're going through difficulties. Pray. Maybe it's because you've done something that's wrong. Repent. Maybe you've never given your life to Jesus. You want to give your life to Jesus this morning all across this place, those online. You've never given your life to Christ. You want to give your life to Christ. You want to believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. If that's you, all across this place, you say, that's me. I want to give my heart to Jesus for as a recommitment or for the first time on the count of three, lift your hand. One, two, three, lift your hand high. I want to get right with God. God bless you. God bless you all the way in the back. I see that hand. God bless you. I see that hand, son. I see that hand, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Stand up on your feet. I see that hand. Thank you, ma'am. Stand up on your feet, won't you? Stand up all across this place, and I want you to pray right out loud. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son Jesus to die in my place and to rise again for the grave for me. Forgive me for all of my sin and come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my savior, heal me, and set me free, and use me for the purpose for which I was created. Amen. Let me pray for you. Holy Spirit, I pray, fill and touch each and every one right now. Baptize them afresh in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I hope you were encouraged by God's word. Thank you again for listening to Kings Alaska podcast. God bless you. For more great content, go to kcalaska.com and may God's face shine upon you and give you peace.